The progressive and exponential growth of humankind is fueled by the outcomes in the marketplace of ideas. What are the proper limitations to place on those who wish to be heard? What are the consequences? We find out on today's episode of Candor Encounter. guys it's good to be back yeah it's uh for us it's been a while yeah it's been mm-hmm. it's been a few weeks mm-hmm. i had a lot of sickness rolling through my house there was just like it was like cholera and then the flu <laughs> i mean i'm exaggerating a little bit but we also had a lot of life stuff come up i've been sitting here <laughs> <laughs> right in front of the mic just waiting for some reason i felt like one of the reasons we delayed recording this time was something that happened with me, but I don't think that's the case. Was it? No, I'm pretty sure it was me. No, I mean, it was David's work schedule, the schedule and then yeah. I did a lot of traveling. I was carrying my kids around. We had dance competitions all over the place. And then anyway, sickness. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then we all got sick. We got sick while we were at dance competitions, then got back, then got better, then got sick again, and then got sick again. <laughs> I am done with this mess. And you guys heard me last year. I was yeah, sick all say, the time. Not to mention... <laughs> I, it's so frustrating to be sick. I'm just like over it. I'm just over <laughs> it. <laughs> but anyway, so we're here today and we're glad to be back. Finally and, recording yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And I've been really busy with trying to fit it all together because we started a second podcast and I'm recording that and we're getting ready to kick it off and there's all the work that goes into that. And so I'm just, I'm burnt, man. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I like being here, so I'm, I make time for this, but yeah, I'm, I'm run down. Yeah. Most of us are very introverted people. Yeah. We yeah, all, relatively. all three yeah. of us are. So, sure. uh, going out and doing things with other people is very draining, <laughs> but I think this for us is really one of those like, it, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, oh no. Right? It doesn't empty my tank. No. Absolutely if anything, not. it's the other way around. Yeah. 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 yeah I would agree. That's a unique feeling yeah. to get energy. I mean, it helps that well, we're brothers and comfortable yeah. and there's no like stress yeah. with yeah. involved in the situation. You know, For me, if if I'm like out with friends, it's not draining at all yeah. for me. Yeah. If I'm with people I like, that's what really it depends on though. Well, I don't mean mm. to get too specific. I don't have to like, liking them doesn't have to be a requirement. For right. yeah. Like I can be around family and that's nothing to do with other family. Like there's nothing against you. It's not your fault. But like I can be with extended family or other family, uh, and and sometimes it just it still drains me, just because maybe it's the the quantity of people because a lot of times there's you know fifteen of us or whatever, yeah. and it's just it's more of a social situation, you know. Where here it's intimate, yeah. you know, in a way. Totally off the <laughs> yeah. Path. So our tangent started before our topic even started. <laughs> so welcome back. This is Gander Encounter, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> but we're here today to talk about the issues of free speech and, and all that goes along with it. So 
What'd you guys get into? I found I was reading some some articles about about free speech. Well, the specific question we're trying to nail to the wall today is what, what are the proper yeah. limitations of it? Yeah, I mean, there's you know, free speech is a well known idea and pretty well understood in the Western world as far as what we mean by free speech, but it is like any other word out there that's thrown around the political arena. Like when somebody says free speech, actually you kind of need to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, someone can say the word racist or someone can say the word, um, hate speech or something like that. Like you have to get yeah. down to what it is that you mean. And it kind of goes in the, in with the fact that the government has like these, what are they called? Like categories of things they, they limit. Yeah. I think one of the terms I saw, which surprised me, was fighting terms or fighting words. It was like terms that flare up other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But they have to be so directly inflammatory and so insightful that they actually lead to yeah, violence. So, yeah. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. It, because you have this downward slope with the effectiveness of of treating free speech with sort of kid gloves so that you don't step on other people's yeah. toes yeah. and infringe yeah. on other people's rights while maintaining the safety. And, you know, that's sort of where do you draw the line in the sand, you know, like, and that's, I guess that's what we're here today to talk about. We're talking about where that line in the sand is at. At least for each of us, which I think. Where did you guys fall pre pre research here? Oh yeah. Uh, for me, it was, I mean, you know, unless it's uh, like a call to action or like fraud or false advertising or like a slander, yeah. like damage someone else's yeah. character or something. You know, that accepted. For me, it's like bar none free speech. Yeah. All I, the way. I was kind of in the same vein. I mean, we're individualists, all three of us. We found that out over the yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah. And we all sort of not surprisingly fall into that camp of, Hey, prevent harm, but don't go anywhere else. Right. You know, because I am me and I should be able to express myself however I see fit. Yeah. So I think we all, yeah, it was the, the, like, unless you're basically like lying under oath, which I would consider like, um, false advertising kind of that. Yeah. Just like fraudulent. Yeah. Any kind of like, if you ain't lying to someone or hurting someone. Right. That famous, um, unless you're stepping on another person's rights kind of thing. Right. That what's the famous, uh, quote about, um, where are you talking about that Frederick dude? Uh, no, Oliver Wendell Holmes jr. He, he's a defender of free speech, but like he says, he's the famous one who says you can't shout fire in a crowded theater. That famous, Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. basically yeah. So whenever you put other people's safety in danger, that's not an allowable transgression. You can't go beyond that. That's and, yeah, that's mostly what I meant by a call to action myself. Gotcha. And before we go too much deeper, I guess we should talk about the legalistic aspect of it. So you have sort of the way the U.S. and then the way the world sees free speech. And I think there is distinctions to be made between probably what your typical American feels about free speech 
and maybe what your typical European or, or an Asian and what they may, you know, there are different cultures mm-hmm. around free speech. Now in the United States, we tend to view it as a universal human right, right. And not, not something that's granted to us by the government. It's not like the government says we can have free speech, right? Now, most of our listeners are in the United States, so that's not going to come <laughs> right. as a surprise to any of you guys. But uh, just that, you know, there is a, a disparity when it comes to the way other countries view free speech and the way they view the United States and how we handle what some people would consider whatever hateful speech or, you know, any kind of thing like that. And that's a big topic nowadays. Some yeah. hate speech is, is viewed by, you know, a lot of modern progressives to be this sort of harmful speech it's instead of just hurting people's feelings instead of just being offensive it's viewed as actually causing harm yeah and i I don't know how i feel about this whole situation if we're talking about i mean I, i haven't changed over the research but i felt this way originally as well i mean i just don't i don't understand that concept i don't it doesn't come across to me i think i know how we got here but it doesn't really explain why they view it as damaging like they need a safe space from the speech yeah, i don't either i'm sort of in the same camp of you camp as you i'm not sure how how we should limit hate speech or if it should be limited because it seems to be a really big issue but I also sometimes fail to see the side of it but a lot of people seem to you know really really be on board with this thing I think it it comes down to like a matter of what you could consider harmful like mentally harmful versus like people's actual lives in danger but to me but isn't that too subjective to leave open for that kind of interpretation as far as laws go, yes. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Well, well, yeah, definitely with laws. But, I mean, you have these institutions that are attached to the government, these federally funded educational organizations, and this, this is where a lot of this controversy is happening. Yeah, you know, I saw, Speakers yeah. on the uh, campuses and... Universities. You know, someone from the right wing would come in and then they would cancel them or shut them down because they need this safe space. They need to insulate them from the ideas. Well... Yeah. I just can't seem to understand it. But you know that the famous saying by Voltaire, I despise what you say, but will defend to the death. You're right to say it. That is, that sums up my belief. You know, it's, it's the idea that it's worth defending even when you hate what's being said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the opposite, right? The only other option is censorship. Yeah. It, you either have free speech or there is an amount of censorship. Yeah. And I would prefer the former. Right. But yeah. Yeah. But what do you say? I mean, like there was colleges that had to amend their open door policies on speakers because there were white supremacists coming yeah. in. Right. What is the solution there? And I, you know, it's my personal opinion. You, you let them come in. I don't, yeah. I'm like, I don't think they're going to be heard. I agree. Like, it, like, uh, there was a judge, Louis Brande. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He said the only viable counter to hate speech or like 
bad quote unquote speech is just more speech. Yeah. Uh, Not enforced silence. It, it's on like. You it needs to like be crushed it, by it, its competition. It, yeah, exactly. Right? Let it let it sort itself out in the marketplace. It, of it has to be. It has to become so socially unacceptable that that's when it dies. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But you know when it when it became a top down forced. This is my problem with this whole situation. This is my one conundrum, my internal conflict. Right. I feel pretty comfortable feeling cemented in my ideals for freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to lie and say that I really wanted to change my opinion here. You know what I mean? Like I, there are some values that people have that are so deeply embedded that we have to recognize that confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. Right. But the truth is the change that happened during the civil rights movement yeah, there was societal changes happening, right? So there's no doubt that there was some outside pressure. But, you know, it was demanded that white privileged Americans, you don't get the same freedoms you had before to say and do what you want to do. Because don't mistake action for not being a form of freedom of speech, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's expression. Mm-hmm. And because speech isn't just a written word, but you had a white business owner who had, who could turn away whoever he wanted to someone of color. Right. And he could, he could speak however he wanted. And that's a form of speech. It's, it's the same with, you know, the modern version of, uh, well, I don't want to make a a gay wedding cake, right? Because it goes against my religion and forcing someone to do that. It, it, it's this conflict between the two. So you have to let the market work itself out. You have to let the people who want to do it, do it and let the people who don't don't, you know, and you can view that as discrimination if you want to. But then it becomes attached to the business owner and not the government. Right. But the government mandated that this is no yeah. longer allowable. Yeah. It removed that freedom of expression, right? The quandary is, it worked. It worked. Well, worked worked how? I mean, I don't see how it could. Well, it aided in the transition into a more just society. Oh, okay. Now, I'm not saying it was the right move, right? I'm not saying the government mandating what you have to do and not do and calling it hateful is a proper move. I'm just saying it worked. It worked. I, I was going to say, like, that's one of those things where. I think someone smarter than me made the choice because had that not worked, I, it could very well have survived. Explain a little bit. Like the, uh, idea of hatred towards a person of color. I mean, it still survives, but we're talking very little in today's standards. It could have survived and thrived. It could have survived and thrived. I'm not saying it it could have, it could have survived the, because there was a societal uprising around this issue. The young people that were coming up were starting to support um, the change in the way the, the African-American races were treated in the United States. But it was going to be a slower road, right? It was going to be a more progressive, incremental, slower road. Right. But the question is, would that have been a healthier way as well? You know, I think that there's been a transitional moment in the modern times in 
present day where the, and I know that this sounds like victimization coming from a white person, but I think that it's turning the other way around. You know, I think that the demonization of being white is, is becoming the new, you know, where we talked about the victim coming out on top and then becoming the victimizer. I'm not saying I'm a victim. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying that I think the trend as a whole is shifting its way around. I, I don't know. And I don't want to go too far off into the weeds, but I do think that the top down method of like implementing the rules sped up the process, but I also think it partially corrupted it. Corrupted it in, in that way where you embolden the victim so much that they, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah dis- right. That they deserve or believe they deserve retribution right. or, or, you, if we had let society heal on its own in its own time without right top down mandate because of this we've had like we talked about the the you know tipping of the scales yeah if it had been more organic is what yeah. I'm saying yeah I I just don't know and it's all theoretical because yeah, we can't you can't can't go back in yeah. time and make it happen differently but you know generally I say I'm against the idea I'm against the idea of the government going anywhere beyond saving direct harm from another human being you know or national security i get it like you can't yeah there is yeah Yeah. there's a reason the uh the things you sign that say you can't say oh the non-disclosure agreements yeah yeah or 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 like classified material there's a reason ndas exist right don't want to become a terrorist now some people claim that that free speech or i'm sorry over limiting free speech is anti-democratic right because the whole essence of your ability to speak to act to show your decisions through your actions and speech is through the voting process is through the democratic process and so if you in any way limit someone from expressing their convictions in some way then it's going to directly correlate to damaging the democratic process well yeah. now we're talking federally i mean not federally but we're talking politically here we're not talking offhanded topics Mm -hmm. you know i had mentioned censorship earlier and i don't know if you've seen it but china has several projects they call the golden projects these golden shield golden all this other stuff right i haven't seen those yeah um makes yeah i'm following though but uh, they have the specific one called the Golden Shield Project. And it's a, for lack of a better term, a censorship project. Run I'm sure them. those are quite abundant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They have 12 in total. And it does much more than just censorship. But a large portion of it is censorship because it, it the Golden Shield Project manages public information and network traffic and security. So it's a lot more than just censorship yeah but one of its main arms is censorship so it's like there's essentially no privacy i mean wow yeah you know this is tangential but i mean they have that whole social credit system even which like bars you from entering some places i'm so terrified of that dude yeah it's it's very scary it's an existential fear of mine it's becoming that way recently for me now that i've been learning more about it I'm like I didn't know it was so bad over there 
I this that that whole social score thing for me is like I feel like we're headed there. That feels so dystopian. dystopian yeah. Oh yeah. And like, the fact that it's being implemented already, yeah. it's like, uh, it's so it just feels so gross. I mean, it's terrifying in a dystopian way as well, you know. Yeah. But it just, ugh. yeah, it, it gives me the the creeps. It's so <laughs> to think about like all the decisions, all the important decisions of your life are going to be based off of your opinions and your popularity in in a boiled down sense well i think it the reason it's so your compliance is that somebody else is deciding your worth yeah i agree and that that just doesn't sit well yeah i mean we're you know people make decisions about us based on our behavior all the time but the thing about the internet is you can't escape it anymore you can't escape who you were used to you can make mistakes and you can grow and change and you can be somebody different i i look back at some of my posts i'm the same way i'm such an idiot man like but you know what i can't go back and change it and it represents my transformation right yeah and i don't really care to change it because i don't mind explaining that but you don't get to answer those questions in a social credit system yeah, you just, it's just there. Yeah, you just get it's, the consequences. Yep. yep. And so your mistakes are forever part of your score. And I mean, that's just using social media as one example in the scoring system, and there are many. But like, I don't, I like, don't want any part of that. Like, I don't want any part <clears throat> of that. Many. There shouldn't even be one. No, there shouldn't <laughs> even be one. You're right. So yeah, it's spooky. And also this the credit system uses a form of censorship that we haven't really talked about. And that is compelled self-censorship. Yeah. You know, I know that this is a discussion about the limits of free speech and the limits of free speech are based in this discussion are typically based on, you know, either the first amendment or the UN's view of human rights or something like that. But there there is something to be said about the fact that a lot of people won't say what they want to say or won't say how they feel solely for the fear of societal misunderstanding or, or compelled agreement to be part of the group, to not be exercised from the group. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to bring something up and I hope I can tie this back in to where we were talking about the civil rights movement. Because there was a big change in another country as well, in South Africa, in, you know, whenever they went through their coming out of the apartheid, you know, and that was a serious, serious racial issue in that country. And when you're talking about the ideas of racial judgment being part of free speech and should be allowable, right? Like the way we were talking earlier or about what I was saying about how we should have um, let things nat- naturally work themselves out. I, I think it's important to point out that there are other views to that situation. I saw in this book, I will link it later because I don't remember the name of the book off the top of my head. Some quotes, a quote from Nelson Mandela, and it's sort of a satirical quote, 
like a sick joke type quote, you know? We shall crush apartheid and white racist minority rule in the marketplace of ideas. So what he's saying is the marketplace of ideas in their situation is a futile place to wage this battle. Mm. Do you see? Because they don't have the upper hand. I see. I see. And so when you look at it from a perspective of someone who is in the trench, who is fighting the battle and saying, yes, our oppressors are morally wrong and that's where we need to fight our battle is in the moral realm. And he's saying, we shall crush apartheid and white racist minority rule in the marketplace of ideas. He's saying, you're a fool. We are at war. And I'm not falling on one side or another of Nelson Mandela's statement there or the statement he's trying to make, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying war isn't important, but I'm not. It's like, I also think that like Martin Luther King, it's that Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X fight. Malcolm X was an activist. He was, he was, he, he would push beyond the bond of love that Martin Luther King claimed was the end point of the, of the, movement that equality was the end point of the movement that we are to love our enemies mm-hmm. right and i as a christian believe that i believe that i i should die showing love for my enemy but that internal contradiction of always wanting to defend those that you love and what you love you know i might be willing to die but Am I willing to let my family die? Am I willing to suffer? Mm. Am I willing to let other people suffer? Because I want to make this moral point. My whole thing is, it's easy to say, even though I I fall on the side of saying we should let society handle this and not the government, when there is a morally right choice, like the, it was morally, if you're viewing it as a moral choice and not a legal one, it was morally right for the government to say, hey, you can't treat black people like that. That was a right. morally correct choice. But is it the government's job to be right. the moral is it, police? Is it, is, yeah. <laughs> is it, it, it feels like if it isn't, you're asking a homeless man to pay poker with a CEO. The starting point. Is that what you mean? Like yeah. they're, they're, they're already unequal. It's like asking someone who has no voice and can't speak to go up against an auctioneer. like, Right. And who's to say that they're making the morally right choice? That's why freedom of speech and freedom of expression exist, is so that we can work that out. So I think that it's the government can make a quote-unquote morally correct choice, but then also shouldn't have made that choice. Right. Like yeah. infringing on freedom of expression is, I mean, in my eyes, at least immoral itself. So it's a sort of, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you could view that as an immoral move, but if someone were to sit, sit here in front of you and say, is it immoral for the government to say that black people all should have equal access to the bathrooms in every bathroom that exists, it, even if you own it, like See, it's just, I don't know. Then they were in like a really, really tight spot. Uh, I know. I know. At you the it, end of the Civil War as well. So it's, or not the Civil War, the Civil <laughs> Rights Movement. I followed you. 
<laughs> no, I agree. I agree. This is not something we'll solve on one podcast. No, yeah. But I just definitely wanted to point out that it's not just, I mean, I do, I, I side with you guys. We all right. end up in the same yeah. place. But I also want to say that there's a perspective out there that has some validity to it. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't, it's not just to be brushed away as a screwball idea. You know, I mean, personally, you know, I still care about how others feel about the things I say. So I, I mean, you know, I censor myself accordingly. And I think right. most people should have respect enough for other people as individuals to do the same. But I mean, that's a I common mean, Western idea, yeah. you know, that we appreciate someone else's ideas self-actualized to them even right. if we don't agree with them yeah. that we give them the space to make them but that is progressively changing and that's my mm -hmm. point it's like pretty soon my daughter is going to be growing up it seems like anyway this is a little bit of a nostradamus moment but like i'm predicting it's 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 headed toward a place where they want it to be they want to be protected they want to be insulated from things that they view could damage or hurt people even in the future. Yeah. And I just, I think that there is some serious danger there because that's, when you throw out something that's potentially dangerous, you're also shutting down ideas like before they can be vetted. Something like that really surprised me. There was a, I don't remember specifically who it was. I just remember seeing it and it, it might've been, some misinformation or something, but I, I, I remember seeing this article that was about a woman. And I think she was suing Facebook over something that she saw that she had like blocked or sorry, her, I think her child that she had blocked from their account and somehow it like wormed its way around or something. And she attempted to sue over it. And one of the things like in my, just block the other page and you won't see yeah. it. Yeah. And it wasn't like, I know parents can be a little, little strict over like, well, not a little strict, appropriately strict over like sexual content that the children run into on social media. Mm -hmm. But that this wasn't even one of those things. It was just one of the like slightly too violent for her taste for her right, child to right. see. It wasn't like a sexual thing. It was a like injury thing, like a broken leg, like right. a femur sticking out of a leg kind of thing. Yeah. And it was, it was just, mind-blowing to me to see you know sue for almost like how far people will carry that. yeah yeah when most people would move past it in an hour and then they're yeah like be be disgruntled over it and right deal with yeah, that and be like i've been trying to get rid of this and then move on but i mean there's no real harm she's she sued for real. emotional damages and, that, and that's the way people view it they view right. harm they view emotional damage as harm and now, look, this is coming from somebody, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm on a, a journey of my own, you know, to Im improve myself mentally. I'm trying to heal mentally. I'm trying to deal with trauma. You know, I mean, there, I, I'm not dismissing trauma as a real thing. Mm -hmm. And trauma is real. And it can be inflicted on you, especially as children without any of your control or consent. But there is a, there is a danger in saying that words 
physically injure someone because it's cultivating this idea that we can't handle anything. It's cultivating this yeah. idea in young young people that they 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 don't need to see that. We don't need to that is going to damage me beyond my repair. Like I there is no resilience and I don't know. That's why they call them, I mean, snowflakes because they 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 use that yeah. term that um insult from the right to to show the delicacy the delicacy that's that's the word i was hunting uh how delicate the people are and how they have no no strength no cohesiveness yeah you put it well when you said that uh they lose that resilience yeah due to this one thing we should have done totally in the beginning of this episode is uh read the first amendment mm. so i'm gonna read that real quick the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution states, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a, re- a redress of grievances. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty... Yeah, it's more long, long-winded yeah. than I remembered. Yeah. So the right to assemble, peaceably assemble, uh, redress of grievances... Uh, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, all that's in the First Amendment. Now, freedom of the press, it, you know, some of it is sort of inclusive already. Like, you, we already know that freedom of the speech means I have the freedom to print what I want to print, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, like we were talking about earlier, there are some things that if you print, even just because you know them, doesn't mean you can say them or print them, you know. Mm-hmm. So, there, I mean, there was a bomb... Uh, or there was a, uh, it was a book. I think it was, it was published. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was like, it was about how to assassinate people. Right. And then like some dude followed it and then like killed his wife and, and a bunch. And then they tried to like take the publisher to task for, for the murder. Right. Right. So, you know, there are decisions that have to be made over, like, where that line in the sand is going to be. And so that's another one of those issues you'd run into. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights in the UN states, everyone has the right to freedom of opinion and expression. This right includes freedom to hold opinions without interference and to seek and receive and impart information and ideas through any media and regardless of frontiers. Article 19, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, 1948. Really? Do they have any amendments on that? I do not know. It's very encompassing. And, you know, with the UN, they're not saying, they're not saying nearly as specifically that yeah. the First Amendment yeah. is what you're limited in, in what ways you can express it in. I mean, they use the words any media. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was... Impart, inform, receive and impart information and ideas through any media and regardless of frontiers. So no matter where it is... Without... I forgot what it said in being like... Interference. Interference. So, yeah. I mean, it's basically like if you don't sign an NDA and you see some top secret information, technically, by the UN standards, you can just share it. The UN, I think, is judging countries... And their bodies of law versus you and your activity. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 
So I don't think the UN is like necessarily. I'm not saying you'll have any. Don't do that. I'm not saying you have any protection (laughs) if you do that. Everybody heard Uh, David. (laughs) He's about to get sued. But I mean, you're still governed by the laws that you live under. Yeah. You know, regardless of what the UN says, the UN is just a guiding light, um, which I have my own problems with the UN. I don't want to get started on that right now. (laughs) Just go on for a while. And there's some new issues coming to light today. I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but there's a, a large conflict going on in Ukraine right now. There's a war raging between Russia and Ukraine that I'm sure most of our listeners have heard about. And I've heard a lot of information coming out. Uh, you know, the Russia, the Russian homeland, uh, you know, has turned into another propaganda machine. Yep. And and the, the Soviet propaganda machine is gearing up again. I don't, you- I don't know if you saw it. Uh, this is slightly off topic, but Bungie... Did you see what Bungie Oh, did? yeah, they... They pulled from Russia. They they pulled all sales from Russia. Yeah, nearly all companies, a lot of people, all yeah. foreign or American or European ran countries are, yeah. are 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 pulling their corporations out. I got a headline about Bungie and CDPR. But you know, I mean, Russia is just is invading another country, and at home. Facebook is shut down, you know, in Russia. Yep. You know, Facebook oh, is shut down. Right. WhatsApp is shut yep. down. Instagram is shut down. You can't speak against the the incidents in Ukraine. Yep. They're calling it a peacekeeping mission or what are they calling? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so it, that's at play when you're meddling with the limits of free speech. I, I'm predicting here because it seems like we're all on the same page. I don't think anybody has drastically changed the way they felt about no, free right. speech yeah, in any way. there's small, no fundamental shift in fact yeah. i found it hard to come across any argument much less a convincing argument against free speech when i was researching there's an abundant amount of material supporting and backing up the ideas of free speech mm-hmm. yeah and there is a a lot more limited pool of any kind of information out there about why we should be limiting it beyond what it is now i think strictly <laughs> due to the fact that in my head, there's only two. You either have free speech or there is censor- an amount of censorship. Yeah, it's like you you don't have another choice. It's you're you're choosing yeah. to censor. You have to have that conscious thought anytime that the government is making a choice that someone can't do something. A freedom is given up. You know. Yeah. Every time. Yep. And people like us, like us three here. And probably most Americans, I would think, this is, I mean, I'm not trying to generalize too much, but they understand that we're all different. And the only way so many different opinions can coexist is with open lines of communication. And the only way real change can happen, real change, you know, there's a big shift going on in the in the way that people talk about or communicate about the ideas of, of homosexuality or trans or the, name any one of those issues, those myriad of issues, right? Do you think that a closed line of communication, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you support or against those things. What I'm saying is whichever side you fall on, 
Do you think that 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 should just be a conversation shut down and those decisions made by those that in power? Yeah, because like, it, that's not. It's either a conversation mm-hmm. that you're go, you can have openly and in front of people, or it's going to be have to be talked behind closed doors. And the behind closed doors does not produce results like open in front of people does. And it doesn't produce mm-hmm. anything that people trust. You know. Yeah. I mean, like you said, behind closed doors is just going to make people. It doesn't this top down theory. And that's where I was getting to with the civil rights thing. It's just, it was the same thing, but it's just that now I think most people, I'm hoping most people realize that we have to fix this on our own. Like if you, if you feel like there's a problem in the way that the world treats a certain group, you need to tackle that issue and you need to tackle it personally. You need to tackle it with ideas. You need to tackle it with, understanding with debate with you need to be able to support what it is you believe that's why we're here right like not just turning down the volume on the other side exactly yeah when you just isolate it so yours is the only voice in the room right or at least those of your you know the voices that coincide or harmonize with your ideas that doesn't make it any more right it just makes it louder yeah so i think that people have to be able to come to those conclusions yeah battling your ideas can even reinforce your own like in in pretty wild ways yeah i mean we've come to understand that when you start having to back up the things that are in your head you'll back up the things that are coming out of your mouth and explain it in a way discuss it in a way that you feel comfortable with that you feel conscious that you don't have any pangs of conscience saying because you're not lying and you're being honest with yourself and you're being honest with the people in the room. That's where change is going to come from. Yeah. You also learn a ton more about the other side, which like not as like a no more about your enemy, but like more of like a, yeah, not a strategic yeah. way. Yeah. In a like more open mindedness, in a like, more empathetic I can, way. Yeah. I can relate to them because, yeah. but the modern movement is like, and not all of the modern movement, but I mean, so much of the modern movement is like, you're no, you don't listen to Nazis. You punch Nazis. Yeah. And I mean, I get the idea. Like there are problems you but, have to nip in the bud. Yes. But not in a. Right. Yeah. We have to be such a strike yeah. kind of fashion. Yeah. But I, I don't believe that any kind of control over the flow of information is going to produce any kind of anything beyond what Amer- like what normal human beings could do on their own. You know what I mean? Like not the results yeah, they could eventually I produce. I agree. I agree. Like, yeah, I think the marketplace of ideas is a pretty solid. But I will say, I mean, it is a it is a the marketplace of ideas is a its existence at all is beneficial is contested. You know? Yeah. And that, it just, the argument will keep going and going uh, and we'll stop here for today. But I, I think that I did earn a little bit of a better understanding of the other side. I don't know if that carried across in the way we talked, but I definitely didn't have any radical shift over that. No, no radical shift. Maybe like I can see how maybe a bit of censorship could feasibly like work once or twice like it has worked before mm-hmm. but, but it, the trade-off is it's so risky yeah yeah and it's 
Who's in control, you know? Yeah. And we've had that conversation before. Exactly. So that does it for us, guys. We really hope that you enjoyed um, today's topic. We really enjoyed it ourselves. And we're going to come back next next time for another one. And we're going to go our separate ways. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know anymore. (laughs) If you want to find us anywhere... Probably Facebook would be the best way to contact us or send us a request. Uh, you can also find our topics there with the links we will share with the um, episode topic where we've done all our research and stuff. And if you guys are feeling froggy, jump over to my new podcast. It's called The Real Roundtable. This is our first season. We're going to be reviewing movies. It's me and another couple of buddies. Uh, movies that I've never seen before. Some of them are going to be throwbacks, hidden gems off the beaten path, good stuff. And I'm going to give you my honest opinion. Some of it is probably going to be garbage and some of it's probably going to be surprisingly good and it's going to be fun. It's, it's a new type of podcast. So join us over there. It should be out around the same time. This podcast is out. So I, I hope you come by and at least give us a listen. And if you want to submit a topic for us to talk about, you can go to candorencounter.com slash submit. Type it into that little box there. We will be talking about it soon, hopefully. Thanks again, guys. If you do feel like it, you can drop in on our Podchaser link at the top of our webpage and give us a review. Or if you're on Apple Podcast, if you give us a review there, it's super helpful. We're thankful for all you guys and for the opportunity to do this with you. And never forget, we love you as a human being. So until next time. Take it easy. I'm going to have to derail this train before I know exactly where it's going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before yeah. they tar- start talking about Spotify playlists <laughs> or anime, I, I know that I'm like, I have, to, pu- I have to pull the emergency brake. <laughs> I actually haven't been watching that much anime. Me neither. Don't. Right. Hey, stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're censoring our free speech. <laughs> <laughs>